Hi friends, welcome back to the Soleil Deo Gloria podcast. I'm your friend and your host, Gracie Woody, and today I have a special guest, which you guys know by the podcast title is Sharon Goodenough. And Sharon Goodenough is my Mimi. Oh yes, that's my favorite name, Mimi. (laughs) Yeah, so today we're going to have a podcast with my Mimi and just kind of talk about her testimony. And honestly, we came up with this podcast idea last night, so Mimi has had only kind of a little bit to prepare. So the Holy Spirit's really just going to speak in and through us and through her. Um, And so yeah, first off, Mimi... Um, can you just share a quick testimony of how you came to know the Lord? I know you mentioned to me that's kind of a two-part story. It really is. I was uh, growing up in South Oklahoma City, and my parents never went to church. So I had a friend who wanted to go. So she and I would hop on buses or ride with friends or walk or whatever. And so we grew up with a whole variety of theolo- theological backgrounds. You could call me Baptocostal Nazarene. <laughs> but in all that time, there was not a, a real witness there in, in my day-to-day life. And so I knew of the Lord, and I knew that I wanted to, to please Him, but I didn't know how. And when I was 17, I started going to church with a family. And I think I just wanted to pretend they were my church family. Mm-hmm. But they would pick me up. And in the teachings, they talked about how important it was to accept the Lord, because if you didn't, you were going to die and go to hell. So I thought, well, I don't want to die and go to hell. So I accepted the Lord as my Savior, like a fire escape. And they also emphasized baptism. And uh, they believed that without baptism, no matter if you accepted the Lord, without baptism, you wouldn't go to heaven. So we were driving to the church for the baptism service. And I said, if we were in a car wreck right now and I died, what would happen? And they told me I'd go to hell. And my knee and my knees were shaking and my knuckles were white. And I said, oh Lord, get me to the church. I gotta get baptized. Mm. But I got baptized and I accepted the Lord publicly. And he was in my heart, he was my savior. But there's another part to you accepting the Lord and I found that out when I was 33 and in a different ministry different teaching and there I learned Jesus has to be not only your Savior but your Lord Mm -hmm. he has to really come into your life and and fill your life Mm -hmm. and direct you and guide you and be with you and when you accept him as your Lord it gets away from that whole concept of God's up on a throne far, far away telling me I can do this and I can't do that. And I'll go to hell if I do this. And if I do that, I'll please him. And it's a personal relationship. Mm -hmm. It's not that um, bad God's going to get you with a big club. (laughs) Right, right. And when you accept the Lord as your Lord and Savior, something happens and it transforms you and it empowers you. And you truly, truly feel that born again. You feel you're a different person. And you just know that you know that you know. Right, exactly. And so you kind of mentioned the word empowerment. And so what we want to talk about today is your call to ministry and what that looked like for you in seasons. Um, And so when you received that empowerment, when were you then called to ministry? And what did that look like for you throughout your lifetime? I think sometimes when you think of being called into a ministry, you think it's going to be something that, yeah, I can see myself doing this, but really it's something that God calls you to. 
And I thought I need to be a teacher. I was going to be a teacher when I was growing up. I was going to go to college and become a teacher. And so I need to teach Sunday school. But actually there was a call in my life to do it. And there wasn't an opening. And I just prayed about it. I learned that prayer was my number one tool. You don't have to push the doors open. Mm. If you have to push really hard, then it's probably not the season and you need to sit back and wait. Uh, it should be something that falls into place, I think. Uh, that doors open for you and you don't have to push them. And uh, so the person that was uh, teaching us in the school class came to me and told me, the Lord told me I need to stop teaching and that you should take this class over. Wow. And that's how that door opened and I knew that was God. So that again is that empowerment because you know that he's calling you to do this. And so I taught Sunday school for uh, a couple of years and it became one of the biggest classes in there and I kept having to divide it because it's hard to have the one-on-one -on -one relationship in a big class. And that was one of the whole things that I wanted with uh, teaching was to, to be able to know the people and for them to know me and feel free to ask questions mm -hmm. because often there's no places to ask those questions. Right. And then after that, uh, one Sunday about, this was about three years later, the Lord um, kind of stirred my heart when the pastor was talking that they were looking for a script for mm -hmm. an Easter drama. Yep. And I felt that tugging on my heartstrings. I knew nothing about it. I'd never written a script before. I did have some writing background, but never in, in anything like a script. But I just felt the Lord was tugging at my heart and, and telling me, this is something you need to do. Mm -hmm. So I prayed about it again. I said, Lord, if this is what you want, if this is what I'm supposed to do, then you're going to have to, to show me the vision of what it is. And he did. It, he just like dropped it into my heart that I'd write this play about a modern day man who went back to biblical times and met Jesus and was there at the cross trying to figure out what was going on because he's always a day late, a dollar short. And this was all through a dream sequence. And he finally realized who Jesus was and what he had done, the sacrifice he had made. So it came time to produce it. The pastor said he loved it. He wanted to do it. He didn't even want to wait till Easter. So we did it in September. And then we had a drama director at the church that time. And she had done a marvelous job, but we had different types of styles. And I thought, well, I will again, wait and let a door open if I'm supposed to direct as well as write. And she offered to work with me and to help mentor me, and she did. And then she told me, she said, the Lord has told me, it's my season has passed. It's time to pass this on to someone else. And she said, so would you take it over? Wow. And she said, you know, you, do you need to pray about it? And I said, no, I know I'm supposed to. <laughs> so... <laughs> So we went on to Easter and doing, getting ready to do the Easter production. And from that point on, when I wrote scripts, the Lord would actually show me visions. I'd see scene by scene exactly how to lay it out where people wow. should stand. It was amazing. Yeah. And so she came in again at Easter and was going to come in and kind of really help me out again, which meant taking the leadership role. And it is amazing. She broke her foot. I'm not saying God broke her foot. God doesn't do things like that. But he uses he opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> and 
she broke her foot and she it was broken so badly she couldn't walk on it she couldn't be on it at all wow so she had no choice but to step out and then she said you call me if you need help <laughs> so that's how that came about wow. so it sounds like you just took on the leadership role which you know can sound kind of daunting how did you stay consistent through that taking on you know sunday like school and then you know coming into drama and like your relationship with god at first was a bunch of rules so it's almost like if you messed up you still had that kind of ingrained fear of like if i mess up lord's not gonna be proud of me but how did you stay consistent and go from a religious standpoint to relationship with god it was a, a a growing process. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. Sometimes you think, wow, I'm going to have the wand wave over my head and everything will change and it'll all be perfect. And that's not really the way it is for most people. I'm not saying there's not some people that, that doesn't happen to. I knew I had a change in my life when I accepted the Lord as Lord and Savior. Right. There was no doubt about that. But from there, it was a growing process of learning to depend on God if God calls you to do something, he's going to equip you. Yeah. And then you also, first, you have to accept that calling. Yeah. And it's hard to say, I am called of God. Who <laughs> am I? To say, I'm called of God. I'm not a prophet like the Jeremiah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not, you know, some of these people that you read about in the Bible. How can I say I'm up there being called of God? Yeah. And then you realize that God has called you to do it. And you begin to relax in that, in that ministry. And you allow him to take the mantle. Because his joke is easy. Yeah, come on. And if you try to carry it yourself, you're going down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just can't bear the weight. And I learned that the first couple of productions I did, was, it was heavy. Yeah. And then I began to learn to trust on trust in God. And when problems would arise, people would say, well, what are you going to do? And I said, what do you mean? What am I going to do? What is God going to do? Come on. He's called me to this ministry. I just shared. He's allowed me to be a part of it. Yeah. But he's, it's still his calling, his ministry. Right. And I'm his servant. Yeah. That's good. And it, it became easier uh, in, in that respect. And then I learned you're never perfect. Yeah. You, just because you are born again and you are that new person, it doesn't mean you walk in perfection. You strive for that perfection day by day. Mm. But it doesn't mean that you automatically walk in it. And I don't think we ever become perfect in this body because we're not called to be. Yeah. We're called to be obedient. That's good. Keep God going. is perfect. Mm -hmm. We're called to be obedient to Him. And in Him, we find perfection. That's so good. And we experience perfection, but we ourselves, we're always going to fall a little bit short. It mm -hmm. could always be a little bit better. Mm -hmm. It could always go a little bit different way. And if I'd only done this, and if I'd only done that, but as long as God is leading you and guiding you, his anointing makes up that difference. Mm. It fills in that gap. Yep. With doing dramas, if his anointing had not been upon them, we had props falling off the walls, you know? And the anointing just seals it all. Yeah. And perfects it. Mm -hmm. And it's in that anointing that it becomes a perfection to people. Yeah. And that will change their hearts. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> That's so good. Kind of talk about, just for a brief moment, the aftermath. Like, what about 
the dramas, like what happened after that? Because a lot of people think of ministry like, you know, what we talked about last night, standing behind a podium and having a microphone. Yeah. And like, you know, for you, it was Sunday school and then going into dramas. Well, you know, then you worked like full time at a phone company, too. And yeah. that's also ministry, too. But just talk about how the dramas, even just putting on the plays, like affected people. We had altar calls that I can only say were phenomenal. And an altar call is when you open it up and you tell people, if you want to get to know this Lord and Savior that you saw tonight, then come forth and we'll we'll pray with you. And there'll be people here who will love you. And this was a big church. And we saw people completely surrounding the altar area. Wow. And backed up into the stairways of the balcony. Whoa. And down the aisles. Uh, They couldn't get close enough. And you know, when you see that, and no matter how tired and weary you are from the burden you carry in doing it, that first hand that goes up makes it worthwhile. Yep, for the one. Yeah, for the one. And a ministry can come in many, many forms. And really, a minister is one who really proclaims the word. So whatever you're doing where you proclaim the word, you're a minister. Yeah. It's not necessarily that pulpit. Mm-hmm. And that's a vision that kind of has to change in your mind to accept that you may be called to a ministry because you're thinking, I'm not called to stand up there and preach a sermon. Yeah. There's many different ministries. And I had always uh, hoped, too, to go out into the fields, into the overseas yeah. ministries. Oh, yeah. Uh, and God spoke to me, and he said, that's not your calling. <laughs> your calling is to stay here and build up the base, build up the people bring in the ones who are around you that you walk with day by day who may not know the Lord. Wow. And that was the way to, to bring them in. You could invite them to come see the drama. And I knew that they would hear the word because I was always very protective of that. After I did that first drama, the Lord spoke to me and he said, that's as good as it's going to get if you don't study more. Mm. So I enrolled in a Bible course. And actually, let me step back one yeah, step on that. Yeah. Um, we were very, very busy at that time. We were fairly young in our marriage and had young kids. And my husband had just changed jobs and we weren't making very much money. Right. And uh, they talked about this uh, Bible course that was going to be taught by the same professors that taught it at a, at a Bible school, Bible college. And I wanted to go so much through it. And because I felt like that was a call in my life and I needed to get the word into my heart to ever bring it out again. Wow. And I just prayed about it because my husband says, how are you going to do this? You've got kids, you've got a job. How are you going to find the time? Plus, where were you going to get the money? And so I just prayed about it again. I said, (laughs) Lord, (laughs) if this is what I'm really supposed to do, then you're going to speak to my husband and he'll know. And then my husband, one Sunday, just nudged me. He said, you're supposed to go to that school. I don't know how we're going to pay for it. I'll help you at home with all the things you've got to do, but you've got to go. Wow. And he that was the Lord. Yeah. And you can't deny that. <laughs> no, not at all. That's crazy. And just to kind of close out our time here, what is some advice for the people who feel the tug to be called into ministry or have felt that tug. I know we talked about it just for me personally, but also, you know, people may come on the podcast because they just see the title, you know, the call to ministry and maybe like, oh, like, I wonder, you know, if there's anything for me in this podcast. So what's just kind of some advice or encouragement or, I don't know, just anything that you took away from your time in ministry? One thing I can say is every Christian is called to ministry. Yeah. 
And there is a place for you to serve in the body. And it's up to you to pray about it and and to seek it out and for the Lord to confirm it to you. Yeah. But we're never called just to be saved and to sit and not do anything with it. Come on. So uh, that's one thing is to know you are called. You are called. Those who hear my voice now, you are called. Mm -hmm. And listen to that call. It's not going to be somebody standing up on a stage with a, a, a megaphone shouting your name out saying, Hey, Gracie, you're called. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's going to be that tug in your heart. And when you feel it, seek the Lord. Yeah. He's got a place for you and a purpose for you. And he had that before you were ever born. Come on. He put that on your life when you were in your mother's womb. Yep. That's why every life is precious to him. Because that life represents something he has for you to do. Yeah. God is not down with us, down here with us in the physical, not now. Yeah. He's here with us in the spirit. He lives within us. So we become his body extended. Let's go. When God is going to reach out and touch someone, it's probably going to be through your hand on someone's shoulder. Mm. And you, you don't think of yourself that way. You think maybe I'm not perfect enough. How can God use me? Well, if he used a donkey just for <laughs> to Balaam, he can use you. <laughs> he can use me, and he can use Gracie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. I don't even know like how to end this because I'm like, <laughs> there's so much good, and I think it's crazy too. Just because if you guys don't know my story and my testimony, you can go back to episode one, listen. But like something that's been really evident in my life that my family knows about is I've always been the person to chase the going and chase the nations and get out of this city but god always brings me back and so i think it's it's really great to have this talk with my mimi who is you know my grandma and um just be able to see how god works like in our generation and in our family and like i was prayed into the house of god like i was prayed in to my relationship with christ and so those of you who are believers i just pray and hope that you take this seriously because you were prayed into this life and god has a purpose for you and I think that a lot of times it's easy to get caught up in the mission work and to get up in the podium but my Mimi here she's been alive for more years than I have and done so much more than I have but it didn't take her hopping on a plane and going thousands of miles of ways she she went to her church it was a lifetime of growth it wasn't just something that hit me when I was a certain age you know when you get on this side of um, my age, 73, when you've been through most of your life and, and you know that, you know, the time is coming to, that you're going to get to see the real fruits of your, of your work, yeah. your labors, you also see how God has led you every step. Mm. You may not see it now. You may not see how this beautiful quilt of your life is being pieced together. And you'll think that how, how could this disaster ever possibly work into a good life? But God has a plan for everything that happens to you. Mm. When you accept him and let him guide your path, it won't always be roses. It won't always be the happy mountaintops. It'll be down in the valley sometimes, but that's where you grow. Yeah. And you'll see later that all of it went together to make a beautiful tapestry that's you. Mm-hmm. That's you. I like that beautiful tapestry. That's you. That's so good. Well, Mimi, thank you so much for your time and um, recording with me. Well, this is my beloved. <laughs> <laughs> and I pray over all of you, too, that you will know 
and you'll bear witness to everything you've heard today and yeah. that it'll that'll weigh on your heart that ministry comes in many forms and it's not just a pulpit and it's not just being a, a missionary yeah you, you can be a missionary in your own home right now yeah to your family and your neighbors to your school mates uh missions work is all around you it's yeah. not always far away it's a mindset yes and the ministry is the same yeah it's a mindset Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Mimi, for your time. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I just pray that this impacts you. And if it did, and if you have any questions or just want someone to be praying for you, you can go to the Solidale Gloria podcast Instagram and click the link tree link in the bio. There you'll find mental health resources, prayer request form, um, question forms that you can ask that are anonymous too. So unless you leave your name, I have will have no idea who's filling them out. Um, but thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Ha <laughs> ha.